In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. To subdue something means to master it or to overcome it. This was the gospel theme last week. Jesus subdued the devil. He subdued Satan's appeals to give in to the flesh. In reflecting on what happened in that wilderness experience, the parable of the sower comes to mind. It was our gospel three weeks ago. The seed that fell on the wayside was plucked up by the birds, as you know. And that was uh, a picture of when the devil comes and snatches God's word from people's hearts. The seed that fell on the rocky soil sprung up quickly, but withered because it lacked moisture. It had no root, just like people who believe God's word for a little while, only to fall away from the faith when temptation comes. The seed that fell in the thorn patch is a picture of hearts which allow their commitment to Christ to be choked out with other things, such as cares, riches, and pleasures of life. In each case, the person does not subdue the temptation. They give up or give in to the attack. In the 70s and 80s, George Momberg, a Dutch-born wrestler, made quite a name for himself, taking on the persona Killer Karl Krupp. Instead of trunks like everybody else, he wore tights that covered his legs and looped over his shoulders. And he had a submission hold that, as kids, we loved to imitate the claw. When it was applied, victims would flail their arms and kick their legs momentarily, but the match inevitably would be over. Using the claw, Krupp subdued his competitors. Okay, but how do we subdue our spiritual enemies? This is really a question that is posed throughout the Lenten season. How do we subdue our spiritual enemies? As the season that brings us to the cross where the Son of God was humiliated, tortured, and killed as our substitute, Lent calls us to be honest about our sins and brokenness. Christ was wounded for our transgressions after all, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Without a doubt, we are in a spiritual battle and subject to daily attacks and temptations. So what can we do? How can we subdue the enemy? The woman in this morning's gospel shows us exactly what to do. And it's not rocket science. This lady came humbly to the Lord Jesus. And she persisted in prayer. 
The gospel says that she cried out to Jesus, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he did not answer her, not even a word. That gave the disciples the idea to ask Jesus to send her away. He responded by saying, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he was pointing out that she was a Gentile from Canaan and not his responsibility. Nevertheless, that did not turn the woman. She came closer and knelt down before him and asked, Lord, help me. Still, Jesus put her off, saying, It's not right to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Dogs. That was how the Jews felt about the Gentiles. She hung in. Truth, Lord, she said, yet the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then, and finally, Jesus exclaimed, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was healed, made whole from that very hour. It was a powerful encounter that day, which the Lord Jesus used as a teaching point for the disciples. Even Gentiles were included in God's plan of salvation. Like the Jews, they only needed to put their trust in the Son of God. Faith, not ceremony, is what God requires. By coming in faith with persistence, this woman subdued her enemy. In his letter to the Ephesians, St. Paul wrote, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. That's exactly what the woman of Canaan did. She continued her advance toward the Lord behind the shield of faith. What Paul had in mind was a large half-cylinder shield used by Roman infantrymen called a scutta. It was three and a half feet high and two and a half feet wide and could be used in front of the body or overhead to protect from enemy arrows and swords. In all circumstances, Paul told the Ephesians, take the shield of faith when temptations of doubt and fear, convenience and pleasure fly at us like arrows, it's by faith that we shall subdue them. By faith, I mean faith in Almighty God, the everlasting Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. That said, Let's take a minute to dig just a little deeper on the meaning of faith. The Greek root of faith is a word which actually means persuasion. 
So faith means divine persuasion. We've got that twisted, or at least I've had that twisted most of my life. Faith, in this sense, means divine persuasion. For example, there's this image that we know of Jesus knocking at the door of our hearts. He comes to request entrance, to persuade us. There's also the image of Christ as the sower, broadcasting seed, which is the word of God. Faith is always a gift from God. He initiates. It's not something that we can produce or generate in ourselves. That's what St. Paul told the Christians in Ephesus. Here's what he said. By grace you have been saved through faith. And that's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. You've been saved through faith. And that's not your own doing. It's the gift of God. So faith comes to us from God. He approaches us. He knocks. He speaks. He invites. He kindles the spark in our hearts to trust him. He shines the light of his truth upon us. Faith is always the work of God. And it involves hearing his voice as he speaks. St. Paul said, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. We're talking about a mystery here. God Almighty has revealed himself to us. He's revealed his will, his truth to us through his word. He's revealed himself to us through his word incarnate, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his word written in the Bible. This revealing, this revelation, is for our benefit. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know his love, his peace, and his hope. He wants us to be saved. He wants to have us with himself in perfect communion and glory forever. He wants to persuade us about the necessity of accepting his mercy and truth in Christ. This is the brink of mystery. Invisibly, his word is sent forth. His persuasive word. Silently, it travels beyond our human sense of hearing, deep into our hearts. It is the divine word, the eternal and holy word, what I mean is it's full of new life, of grace and truth. It's life-giving and transformative. Upon hearing it, not only with our ears, but our, but our hearts must respond to accept or to reject him. The faith of God is sent to us and comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. The mystery is that he sends it, and the mystery is that it comes invisibly into our hearts. The woman of Canaan had accepted. She was persuaded completely, and therefore she persisted in approaching Jesus. The arrows were flying all around her, arrows of temptation. 
arrows of uncertainty, doubt, and fear. Send her away, the disciples urged Jesus after he answered her not a word. Still, this woman advanced and subdued the enemy using the shield of faith. The devil would have wanted her to turn back, but she advanced in faith. Like this dear woman, the Lord has permitted us to be tested in a big way over the past year. By permitting the coronavirus, the Lord took an initiative of faith so that we might be persuaded evermore about our need for Him, about our complete inadequacy without Him, about our complete dependence upon Him. The Lord did not permit this pandemic to put us off or to crush us, rather to draw us closer to Himself. Every day of this trial, He has been with us, but as our Heavenly Father, He yearns to show us His way. Therefore, as one scholar says, the Lord continuously births faith in the yielded believer so that they can know what He prefers, so that they can be persuaded of His perfect will. The fact that faith, this divine persuasion, is God's gift does not mean that we can be wet noodles. St. Paul told Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm convinced is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. Fan the divine spark of faith into flame. That's what Paul said. And this is what the woman of Canaan did. She persisted against all odds. She was a Gentile. The disciples wanted her gone. And three times Jesus put her off. Still, she took the shield of faith and subdued the temptation to flee. In 1614, Nicholas Herman was born into a very poor family in eastern France. His parents were peasants, and just finding enough to eat was a challenge. So as a young man, he joined the French army, which at least guaranteed him meals and a small stipend. At the age of 16, during the Thirty Years' War, he saw a leafless tree in the middle of a battlefield. Realizing that the tree would be in full leaf and flower in a few months, he saw it as a symbol of God's ability to transform the human heart. The image stuck with him. At 21, he was wounded and rendered lame for the rest of his life. The ghastly experience of war led him to examine his religious upbringing and to consider the gift of faith that he'd received. 
Eventually, at 26, he entered a Carmelite monastery in Paris, and he took the name Lawrence of the Resurrection. He's best known for his little book, The Practice of the Presence of God. Following his death, a brief word about his character was written with some of his own words, including this word on faith. Brother Lawrence wrote, it's not enough to know God as theory from what we read in books. It's not enough to feel some fleeting affection for him. Our faith must be alive and we must make it so. And by its means, lift ourselves beyond all these passing emotions to worship the Father and Jesus Christ in all their divine perfection. This is the challenge before us right now. As we go further into the second half of this pandemic, we must take the shield of faith and advance. We must fan into flame the gift that God has given us. Our faith must be alive and we must make it so. We must be persistent. The thing is, we have a will and through the Holy Spirit we've received the gift of new life. We've been washed in the precious blood of Christ and adopted as God's own daughters and sons. Now it is for us to believe the faith we've received, to cherish it, to guard it, to take it up and use it for our soul's health. God has not abandoned us. On the contrary, he's calling his church to steady up. He wants us to join ourselves to him and to one another in the strength of his will, with his word, and to advance on the enemy and subdue him. The temptation is for us to retreat. And if we retreat, human nature, fallen human nature, being what it is, our practices of faith will quickly fall to the wayside. Like the three types of soil that received the seed but did not bear fruit. To me, that is the big challenge before the church as we move through this, into this second part of the pandemic. By the grace of God, we have the tools to fan the flame. The Holy Spirit who dwells in us. The word written that we have copies of. We have the church and the fellowship of other Christians, the medicines of word and sacrament. We have been given this great gift as well of the live stream capabilities to join wherever we're at with other Christians, even if it be virtuous, virtually. The temptation is to retreat. Retreating will lead to inaction. Inaction will lead to disease of the soul, despair, and darkness eventually. We beseech you and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, wrote St. Paul in today's epistle, 
that as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. Now unto God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be ascribed all might, majesty, dominion, power, honor, and glory, as is most justly due, henceforth and forevermore. Amen.